Sal Barry. I'm not a big fan of the idea of redemption cards in old product because you can't do anything with them. And Tim Parrish. This isn't food we're talking about. We're talking about pieces of cardboard with pictures of guys on it. That's a very, very frustrating thing with redemptions is the fact that they expire. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk Podcast. Sal Barry here. Along with me as always is Tim Parrish, aka the real DFG. What's going on, Tim? What's going on? Um I don't know. We heard the uh the interview with Mike Brown from last week. Uh that was awesome. He liked your question about uh physical fitness. Yeah. Which is funny, not funny, but um, it, it fit well because, you know, now he works as, you know, a, a high performance hockey training uh, guru that he's become um, since his, you know, his NHL career ended. So that was a really, really good conversation. Um, he, he's a beast when it comes to that stuff, weight yeah. training and all of that kind of thing. And, you know, a big basis of his, and I, he think he, I think he mentions it on the show as a big basis of mm-hmm. his training is, is fighting boxing and 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 mma type stuff and and that kind of thing so yeah um, not just for hockey either i mean he just says combat training and i'm like so is that for hockey he goes no that's for for all sports um i'd also like to thank um uh, the skokie park district and their hockey director steve glickman who very generously linked to the podcast this week sphockey.org website or you could just google skadium hockey or whatever or you could just find the podcast if you've already uh are listening to our podcast here over on uh puck junk or soundcloud or itunes or whatever but you know we appreciate all the little uh help we can get here and there so you know thank you to the skokie park district for linking to our podcasts our interview with mike brown i saw it was on nbc too oh yeah nbc pro hockey talk linked to it because i guess they found it interesting and that's good they were able to ignore the grading quality of my voice and just listen to what Mike had to say, which was very interesting. By the way, my voice is a little more grating than usual. I got like super sick last weekend. I'm still, I'm still feeling it, still cough, runny nose, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, just, you know, just got to push my way through it. So talk about a couple of things this week. So game dated moments for upper deck, only one card out for this week. Card number 26, John Carlson records, 42nd point in 30th game. Tops now, just getting you caught up on that. Week 9's print run ended up being 997 packs. That was the week that had the Kale McCarr chase sticker. Week 10 had a print run of 711 packs. And week 11, so far the lineup is John Carlson, Colorado Avalanche, Elias Peterson, Joe Thornton, and Patrick Marlowe on the same sticker. And then subjects five through nine at the moment are to be determined. I've been kind of sloppy in keeping up with tops now. Let me see. I missed the week nine pack and I missed the week 10 pack because I got sick. And I just, you know, when you're when you're sick and you're in bed and you're sleeping 23 hours a day, you're not thinking, oh, I got to get up and 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 buy my tops now stickers this week. You don't have to tell me I've been there. The Parkhurst hockey cards are out this month. Uh, they're a Walmart exclusive 2019-20 Parkhurst hockey. Uh, there's 320 cards in the set. The first 220 cards are the base cards. 
Then we have 50 short printed star cards and another 50 short printed rookie cards. Um, this year's set is actually 80 cards, excuse me, 60 cards smaller than last season's set. Um, there are silver and gold parallels, of course, because there's always parallel cards in an upper deck product. And then there's also the chance to get autographs. So, Tim, what's your thoughts on um, Parkhurst and it coming out this year and it being a Walmart exclusive? They've done this for a couple years now. You know, it's you can also do it. You can also get them through EPAC, too. So if you're an EPAC person and you like the digital ability to open a pack and look at a card and eventually someday possibly turn it into a real card. Um, you can do that on there as well. Being a longtime hockey card collector, the Parkhurst name carries a lot of history with it. And in my mind, not that I hate this product by any means, but, but by turning this into a set with 300 and some cards and they're just basic cards and it almost looks like they're, to me, they're almost like the victory cards. So they're not quite MVP. They're a little bit less um, that you could only get them at Walmart, you know. So you're you're kind of like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just pulling at strings here, but it's kind of like diminishing the, the name of Parkhurst. Because when you think of Parkhurst, you think Parkhurst, you know, the the, the old Parky cards or, you know, the, the Gordie Howe rookie. And, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you kind of diminish that that name and when upper deck kind of i guess i don't want to say resurrected the name but when they started to use it again Mm -hmm. you know the sets that they put it out in were more of legend sets Mm -hmm. um and you know those those cards were very uh, i think were very collectible and very timely and especially with the amount of i shouldn't say the amount but the, the quality of players that you could get autograph wise and such through that those was was absolutely insane back mm-hmm. then um and, you know there were a few years of that and then when they come out with this retail exclusive it, you know it, it's, it's it's not for everyone but if you're looking for something that's available in retail cheaper and has a lot of uh short print or parallel chase Mm-hmm. to it it's not a bad it's not a bad set i you know i, I like some this... of the inserts some okay. of the inserts look cool like those hailstorm cards i actually kind of like those the hailstorm inserts look cool and so do like the chromium inserts that almost look like opichi retro cards yeah those have oh. kind of that feel to them as well but i saw the I saw a couple of the Hailstorm cards on eBay already, and I thought mm-hmm. they looked kind of, kind of neat. So here's my thoughts on on Parkhurst for this year. I mean, I liked the Parkhurst set. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't buy them. Obviously, in the '50s and '60s, and I'm building those sets. You know, a little here, a little there. You know, as as money and time allows. Um, I'm pretty close to finishing a '63, '64 set. I think all the cards I need are high-end cards, except for um, I have a really nice Gordie Howe from that year. But I liked the Parkhurst sets from the '90s because they were big. They were big sets. They had a lot of cards. You know, 500 cards. That was pretty awesome back in the day. I liked the 0506 Parkhurst set. That was like the set 
that I really latched on to when I got back into hockey card collecting as like a passion. Because I remember in the early 2000s, I was picking up a lot of sets on the cheap because the economy was bad and I had a good paying job. So all of a sudden, say like an 8182 Tops hockey, excuse me, 8182 Opeachy hockey set. I remember buying it for like $90 or $100 and just saying, man, back in like 1990, this set would have cost like $400. And now with eBay and the internet, like making the prices go down and just the economy just being generally terrible in like the early 2000s, I was picking up a lot of, you know, I, was, I remember picking up an 8182 Opeachy set for like 90 or $100. I remember picking up 8283 and 8384 sets for like $40 each or something. I mean, just really low, but I was just buying vintage. And then we had the lockout and an 0506 rolled around and I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I want to get back into hockey cards. And then everybody's like, oh, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. And I started looking for cards and, you know, they'd be sold out because everybody wanted those rookie cards. But then Parkhurst came out at the end of the year and I was like all in on that. I'm like, oh, my God, 700 card set, um, you know, rookie cards, just a massive checklist. So that's when I really got my digs back into collecting was with that 0506 Parkhurst set. So when I see that like a set now, I don't care if it's sold at Walmart or not sold at Walmart or sold at Target or sold at, you know, wherever. I'm, I'm not worried about that so much as just that like a 300 card set doesn't really differentiate itself from, say, like Upper Deck Series 1, which is like a 200, 250 card set. Or like you said, Victory. I mean, what's the point? 300 cards might as well make it a really big set or just like a super premium set, like you said. Yeah, and you don't think it waters down the name and the legacy of that name a little bit, considering what that product actually meant? I think that most collectors don't care where the set is sold. They just want to be able to buy it. That's fair. I think what would annoy collectors more is if they spent two or three dollars on a pack one year and then the next year they're finding the pack in like rummage bins for like a quarter. I think that annoys collectors more than like where it's being sold. I mean, me, That's, I was always I was going to say it's funny you say that because because this is an e-pack product. Yeah, that's kind of exactly what happens. Everything that gets moved to e-pack in addition to being available either retail or hobby Mm-hmm. tends to over the long term i mean the initial the initial release of it it's hot yeah. everybody wants it it's it's on fire you know especially the rookies and everything else but the longer it sits there and the more people get into it more stuff becomes available meaning the parallels because if you know how epac works you get 10 of whatever card you cash it in for the next parallel color you get 10 or 20 of those, cash that in for the next parallel color. And each of the subsequent parallels can be turned into real cards. Mm-hmm. All of those end up on Com C. Mm-hmm. All of those eventually end up being 26 cents. Right. Sometimes even less when there's sales going on. Actually, I don't think they can let you go less than that. But I mean, still, it gets these very, very low prices to it and just bottoms out the market on this stuff. So really, you're just picking it up for a quarter and having it for your collection. I mean, some people probably build the sets. This is not a set I would probably ever build, but that's just me personally. 
Yeah, I mean, the reason why I'm not too interested in this set is because it's only 300 cards. You do raise a good point, though, about EPAC, and that's I got to tell you, that's something that I've always liked. You know, I'll go and I'll buy a base set or I'll buy enough packs of a set to put a base set together. And then I'll go on EPAC and scoop up the rest of them for like 30 to 50 cents each. And I'm okay with that. I know that people obviously want to sell their cards for more. And I know that EPAC hurts card dealers because, you know, if I'm a dealer and I'm buying all these cards and I'm opening packs and I have singles, why would you come to my store and pay a dollar or two for a rookie card if you could go on EPAC and get it for 26 cents or 30 cents? But as a collector, I love it. But like I said, I'm not really enticed about a set that's 300 cards or 320 cards, especially if like 50 of them are like veteran players like Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin and Connor McDavid. I mean, some of those guys are superstars in those short prints, but that's another problem that I have. I feel that like base cards should have all the superstar players. And if you want to short print things, short print the rookies. But when you start short printing just the other players, the non-rookie players, I don't like that aspect. You know, another gripe I'm going to share right now about Parkhurst is the last couple of years I've been picking up Parkhurst Blackhawks team sets at Target. They're usually $4.99 and it says team set, Chicago Blackhawks. And the I go, ones that are paper-backed? Yes. You're talking yeah, about like the... A, like a clamshell? And uh, a blister card. Blister pack, yeah. Yeah. So what I did is I finally started opening them because I had them and I'd buy one and set it aside. And I'd say, yeah, I got to do something with this. So It's like opening an action figure. You should never do that. <laughs> uh, no. Actually, I was a big proponent of opening action figures. Um, I'm kidding. But with this particular um, set, so I started opening these Parkhurst sets over the last couple of years because I'm like, all right, I'm going to put them in nine pocket pages. I'm going to put them by year and stuff like that. And they're not actually really complete team sets. They're like the team sets minus the rookie cards. And sometimes oh, the short prints are in there. They're not in there. And that's like super annoying to me. I just kind of assumed that they'd be in there. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Because they're part. Technically, they're part of the base set, even though they're short prints because they're sequentially numbered. Yeah, well, they'll have that sequentially numbered group, and then the rookies are always at the end, so they don't appear to be missing unless you look on, like, an online checklist, and you go, oh, Alex DeBrinkett is supposed to be in here. What the hell, right? So that's kind of annoying to me, because at first I thought, man, five bucks is a lot to spend on, like, 12 cards. But then I thought, but you're getting the 12 cards of your favorite team, or 14 cards, or whatever, but then it's not even a full set, so... I don't know. I just, I haven't really taken to Parkhurst. Like if Upper Deck went back and did like the 0506 Parkhurst set where it was like 600 cards, I'd be all over that. I'd love that. Give me the third line and fourth line players. Give me the third string goalie, you know, give me the seventh defenseman and the, you know, six minute a night enforcer or whomever, you know, I'd like cards of those players too. I'm so tired of seeing the same 100, 200 players over and over again especially if you're going to short print 50 of them you know and then it's like okay now i'm trying to track down a phil kessel short print yay but it's phil kessel, I like and, phil phil kessel. and phil kessel as an arizona coyote yeah i like phil kessel 
I've liked him since he was with the Bruins, but I can understand like tracking down rookie cards and paying a little bit more because it's a rookie card and that's short printed. But when you just start short printing, like, all right, we're going to just pick 50 players and short print them, then I think that sucks. Then that's just making the set more challenging than it needs to be. Here's an idea. If Upper Deck wants me to buy hundreds of packs, why not just make the set huge? There's like 900 guys in the NHL. Just make a card, make a set with 900 players, 10 cards per pack, do the math. You're going to get doubles. You're going to get parallels. You're going to get whatever. And, you know, that's how you keep them coming back instead of like, oh, well, we're going to just make it so that like 100 cards are really hard to get and the rest of them are really easy to get. Well, if you look at the 50 that they short printed that aren't rookies, yep. um, there's a few of them, I think 10 or so that yep. are all-star cards. Yes. So, so if we ignore those, we're down to 40. Because the all-star cards, I guess you can make a case. Those are special, so whatever. Sure. But this, there's a 40. It always makes me wonder how they come up with who to put as a short print. Because if you look at the list of who's on there, yeah, there's Carey Price. There's, you know, uh, Steven Stamkos. There's Evgeny Malkin. Um, Jonathan Tay's in that list. But then if you go and look at the actual regular set, you know, how do you decide, okay, I'm going to save this for the mega uber superstars, but wait a minute, Connor McDavid is in the base set that's not short printed. Um, is he not worthy of short printing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, you know, Elias so Pedersen is in so the what low do do? end. So, so, that's what so we're going to short print all the first line guys. Second and third line guys will be base cards. Is that how it works? I don't know. Split just... by line pairings? Yeah, it should be, right? I mean, it's just, I, I can't quite figure that out, right? Like, um, so, yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like, this is why I can't ever get excited about, like, a base set for, say, like, SP Authentic. Like, if I find one for 5 or 10 bucks, I'll pick it up. But really, what's the difference between, like, a 100-card base set for SP Authentic and a 100-card base set from Black Diamond, other than the design? Well, it's pretty much the same thing, In today's thing, right? day and age, about... Four hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> but if you're talking the black diamond that used to have an actual set yeah. with the double diamond, triple diamond, yeah, quad yeah. diamonds, and kind of go through those, that was more the chase. You mm -hmm. know, you bought a box and you got a few doubles, even less triples, maybe mm -hmm. one quad, and you know that was the thrill of the chase of trying to put that together. But most boxes of black diamond, in my experience, that I bought over the years. I had the bulk of a base set within one box. Right. Yeah. Because there I were guess... only 90 cards in most cases. Because everything past 90 was a short print. Mm -hmm. And then they went, they moved that up to 100. And then I think they moved it up to like 104 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Some weird number one year. But going forward, you could pull most of the base set. I think most of the time I'd be missing eight or 10 cards, maybe. Right. But, you know, something like this where. A, you only can go to Walmart and buy it, or you can go on EPAC. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know. How many packs are you going to have to buy, to, or how many boxes of this are you going to have to buy from a retail store in order to get all 300 and... Parkhurst? And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, 10 cards per pack. Figure that probably two of those cards are probably... Probably two cards per pack, or they're a parallel or something. It's so, probably I mean, like Opeachy. One pack has a insert, the other pack has a short print or something right, like that. Right. 
So if you so, bought a retail box, how many are in a retail box? Uh, I don't know. Or, I've only seen blasters advertised. Oh, blasters, yeah, I guess, fat I guess packs, it would, and single yeah. packs. Yeah, so you'd have to buy a retail pack of singles. Or, or actually pry one of those gravity-fed boxes off and try to buy the whole entire thing. Huh. Well, let me see. do a little quick math here. So let's say if there are 220 base cards divided by, let's just say, probably going to need about 30 packs to build a base set. Okay. It's not bad. That's assuming, I mean, assuming that's... Assuming no that, doubles and... Well, that's just up. saying, yeah. if a card, if, if a pack is 10 cards, but let's assume that maybe 8 out of 10 cards, maybe 2 of them are parallels or something right whatever i mean because you know that like if you buy that's just to get the the base set you know if you're looking at the other ones then you know you're gonna have to get 200 packs to get one uh you know every other pack would have a short print and that's the thing that's that's why these sets have been such a turnoff for me because it's like i don't want to buy 200 packs of a set just to get 100 short prints especially when 50 of those short prints are you know, veteran players that really have no business being short prints to begin with. So the best way to go then with this would be fat packs for sure. Because if fat packs are the regular price that they normally are around five bucks, you get 30 cards in a fat pack. So do, a, do fat packs and then pick up all the shorties on, uh, pick on up E-pack. whatever you're missing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to buy this set. You are probably going to pass on this set. I'm probably going to pass. Nah, on it. I'll, I'll get the penguins. But that's about oh. it. Yeah. I mean, I might try to put together a Blackhawk set. Um, I do miss building sets, and I would. it does seem, like, tempting to build. But, you know, maybe I'll just kind of save that for, like, I don't know, Upper Deck Series 2 or something else, you know, that's maybe a little more interesting. You know, even Opeachy or something. I know we talked about that a few shows back. Yeah, building the peachy, I try every year, but I fail. <laughs> so, so what's interesting? So these Parker's cards, um, they're gonna have parallels. They're gonna have autographs. They're not gonna have memorabilia cards, and apparently, they're not gonna have any sort of redemption cards, which is the big topic we wanted to talk about today. Was uh, redemption cards, and uh, you wanted to talk about this. I'm, I've. I've made my peace with redemption cards. They never really bothered me that much to begin with. Um, I got a couple of redemption-related stories I'll share, but you you have some thoughts on this, obviously, that you'd want to share. I have all sorts of thoughts on this. I've, I've run the gambit of thoughts when it comes to uh, the whole idea behind these. Um, you know, where should I start? Um maybe the first time so, you got a redemption card um god i can't even remember the first redemption card i ever got I, I i have i have quite a quite a list of redemption cards i've gotten post expiration date which leads many collectors to the ire and one of the big major problems that i have with redemption cards but let, let me go through this in all the years of collecting um redemption cards i think have become more prevalent now in the hobby than they were in the past and i say that across the board 
Um, maybe not as much in hockey other than a few products that are designed around that specific thing. But I think hobby in general, uh, that's become a big thing. And part of that is, you know, I don't, I don't think companies want to do redemptions. I don't. Because if you were a company and you were like, if you're running a company and you said, here, I have this product and there's all this great stuff in this product. Oh, but we can't give it to you. We're going to advertise it though. We just can't give it to you. I don't think that's very good business practice. And I don't think companies would do that if they didn't have to. Um, so here, here's my thing with redemptions. They're a necessary evil. I get it. Mm-hmm. it. It's a money thing. It's a time thing. It's a, um, I don't want to say it's a convenience thing, but it, it it definitely comes down to mainly money and time. It does cost extra money for the manufacturer. If you think about it, it costs them more money to make something a redemption rather than to just put it in the product. Right. Because if they you think print about it, a redemption card, they got to print the real card and then they got to mail the card to you. And then, yeah, that's, that's money right, right. there. That's a couple so there's, bucks. Sure. And there's, so there's a lot involved with that. And, you know, obviously getting these takes time. So there's your time and your money aspect. So card company doesn't want to do this. They want to put it in the product. They can't put it in the product. So they spend the extra money. They print all these redemption cards. Um, Then they send them through whatever printer they have to, to put the nice little scratch off stuff on them. And then they pack those out in the cards. It's nice that they pack them out and they're the same size as the general cards that way all the pack searchers that are out there can't typically feel that there's a redemption card in there most of the I time. I agree, and I think yeah. that's actually a really uh, strong case for them. Sure, and I mean, unless they're like some of the ones, I think I got a, I pulled a black ice one once that was thicker than any card I've ever seen, but it was the redemption card. It wasn't the actual card. It was super, super thick. It was for uh, Marty St. Louis, um, auto patch something or other Mm -hmm. i eventually got it but anyway um that's neither here nor there but you know i think all of that when you when you consider all that that's one reason why that they don't want to do what they do but they have to and one of those big reasons is you have a checklist that you've put out you have a idea and you have players that have committed to supplying a certain number of autographs into a product mm-hmm. or they've committed to let's say sell you something that's got memorabilia that you're planning on chopping up and sticking on cards mm-hmm but for some reason or another it just hasn't happened right and it's not ready to go at the time of pack out I get that. I totally get that. Because if the redemption is for a card that is made or is about to be made and they just need a little more time to get it done and sent to you, I'm all for that. Great. It's when it's a general autograph of a player that you've seen other collectors pull out Mm -hmm. of product already, Mm -hmm. packed out, signed, Mm-hmm. But for some reason, there's this 
other parallel version of it or something that's not signed and ends up having to be a redemption. Those make no sense to me. So what I what and I want to just piggyback off of what you said. So <clears throat> just my perspective on this. If it's a if it's a rookie card, then I don't mind it being a redemption because they have to get the photo. They got to get if it's like a high end rookie card with an autograph or a jersey piece or whatever. They got to get all these things together. And I get that when it is a retired player. So let's say uh, Wayne Gretzky or Patrick Waugh. If it's a if it's a card of a retired player, they don't need to like put the most. They don't have to worry about last season's stats or whatever. They could print the cards far ahead. I mean, we're on the nineteen twenty season. I know that Upper Deck is already working on uh, their twenty twenty one cards. They're already working on the designs of those. So if you're doing a twenty twenty one or twenty one twenty two card of Ray Bork, you can get him to sign that now. And have that ready for pack out in 21-22, right? You don't have to um, wait for, uh, you know, an up-to-date photo or a, a rookie jersey or anything like that from those players. So I don't think there's any excuse if it's a uh, if it's a current player um, where stats don't matter, where you're not trying to wait for, like, a new photograph or something like that. Um, what really bothers me about redemption cards more than anything is probably when you buy old product and they have expired redemptions in them. Because I yes. remember it was a couple, it was like a show or two ago, I bought a hot pack. And you did? Yeah, I told I, I mentioned this before. I know. I, I, was just, I was just giving you a general reaction just to play along. <laughs> well, I you know, I, I avoid those because I don't like the fact that if somebody's selling hot packs, that means that they've searched the packs and they figured out which ones have the good cards. And so I just, I generally don't like to support that behavior. Like if this dealer is selling hot packs, $10 each, then it's like, well, if I buy them from you, then I'm supporting you doing this, what I think is an unfair business practice versus somebody just buying a pack and maybe getting a good card or maybe not getting a good card. So he has hot packs and he wanted like $4 each. And I'm thinking, eh, $4 each. Most of these packs are like three to five dollar packs. Okay, fine. So then I'm trying to decide which one I want to buy. And then he's like, oh, well, the special card might be a redemption card. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah. Well, now, now all of a sudden I've lost my interest right there because I was probably going to grab two or three of them. But now I'm thinking, well, that sucks if the hot card that you get is an expired redemption from six years ago. So I think I grabbed a pack of artifacts. I've told this story a million times. I grabbed the pack of artifacts and I got a Mark Parrish jersey card because it's always Mark Parrish. Now it's always Kevin Fiala. Those are just like the guys that I always seem to get in, in packs of cards. Like, congratulations, this card is autographed by Kevin Fiala. Or this is a piece of Mark Parrish jersey from whatever season with the Florida Panthers, right? So... I'm not a big fan of like the idea of redemption cards and old product because there's there's nothing you can't do anything with them other than throwing them in an upper deck drawing at a show. I like how upper deck speaking of upper deck, I, I like um, I bought a I forgot what it was a box of, but I was supposed to get a Patrice Bergeron. I don't know if it was a Jersey card or a Jersey auto card. And like after like a year and a half or two years or something, they could not fulfill the card. 
So they ended up sending me a Tuka Rask rookie card. I want to say it was a Tuka Rask. Oh, was it SP Authentic? I think it was an SP Authentic rookie card. It had an autograph. It was really nice. And I was just like, wow, <laughs> that, that that's a trade up if you ask me. Like, I like Patrice Bergeron, random autograph Patrice Bergeron card. Awesome. Rookie card of Tuka Rask autographed, even more awesome. So right. they they made it up to me, and I was, like, super happy about that. I mean, they went above and beyond. My other redemption story is it was uh, 2012-13 Panini Limited, and it was a redemption card for an Akeem Alou signed rookie card. And... As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, when we, we talked about Akeem Alou and Bill Peters on one of our podcasts, um, I liked Alou. I was interested in watching his career progress. I was always curious why it didn't progress, and now I feel like we know why. Um, but he played for the Rockford Ice Hogs, which was the Chicago Blackhawks farm team. And then he got traded to the Atlanta Thrashers. So then he played for the Chicago Wolves, which was the Thrashers farm team. So I was able to watch him with the Wolves. And then he moved on to Calgary, played some games with Calgary. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm getting this signed rookie card of this player. Well, what happens? Uh, what happened a year later to Panini? They lose the license, right? So now all of a sudden, they didn't do anything about my redemption card. Like, I had to nag them. I had to, like harass them on social media. I had to become a bad person. Hello, is anybody listening to my tweets? And I would like at Panini Pigskin. And I would like at um, Tracy Hackler, who's like their PR and marketing guy. And I would like at everybody that had like a Panini um, handle on Twitter. And, you know, it was like it took me four years to get something for this redemption card. And so they finally sent me a Brandon Sod autographed card, which was nice. Good um, for you. It was even nicer when the Blackhawks reacquired Sod, because then I was like, okay, cool. I got, you know, now, now he's a Blackhawk again, and I have this signed Blackhawk card, and this is pretty cool. Yeah, it was nice. I mean, they asked me, they said, what team do you like? I'm like, the Blackhawks. I'm like, okay. And so then they sent me, you know, they, they made good on that, but this was like four years after the fact. And, I feel like because they lost the license, they weren't like going to track down Akeem Alou playing in Russia and have him sign a bunch of hockey cards. And I understand that. But I thought the fact that I had to like basically like I had forgotten about it. I was cleaning off my desk and I was going through a pile of cards and it was at the bottom of a pile of cards was this redemption card. And I looked at it and I'm like 2012, 13. I'm like, this is so long ago. I'm like. Did did I get this already? You know, like I'd forgotten and I had to look yeah. it up and it was still outstanding. And I'm just like, okay, well, it took four years, you know, and at the end I had to nag them and then they did something about it. So, um, you know, in my experience with, with these and mm -hmm. I've dealt with redemptions with Panini tops and Upper Deck mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm not trying to, you know toot their horn or anything but i can tell you of the three upper deck has been by far above and away the better company to deal with when it comes with redemptions yes i think they have they basically have their stuff together and know how to operate it correctly and when it fails they immediately fix it 
Yeah. I don't know of very many cases other than with expired redemptions. And that's a different story, but I don't know of very many cases with ones that are current or ones that have a problem getting redeemed where they haven't come through with something as good, if not better. Now I'm sure there's case by case basis on this. And most of the time, the stories you hear on Twitter are always the worst case scenarios. Yes. But in my experience, I've never been screwed out of a redemption by any of the three companies. No, I've had to wait the longest from Panini. Mm-hmm. I've gotten damaged product from Tops, um, but I've never had an issue. I've I, I've not had one single issue with Upper Deck, and I know many many people that have the same thing. I mean, look, like I like I started off saying, I get it now. I I didn't get it in the very beginning. But the more I know about it, I understand. I know why companies do it. I understand it's a necessary evil. I understand it's something that, you know, actually has to be done in order to even have an attempt at making available some of the cards that are going to be out there. Mm -hmm. But to me, the only time and place I think a redemption should exist is if that card hasn't been made yet and it's going to be made, I get that redemption. Because... Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to make this card. We haven't done it yet, but the product's got to go out. So here's this redemption. And in two months, we're going to make this card and you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. I.e., look at artifacts with the rookies. They already know that they're going to put all these rookies in there. They just don't know who. So they're going to say, well, we're going to have 31 teams, soon to be 32. And we're going to put in cards for all 32 teams. And whoever that rookie is. That's what we're going to put on. And if there's a team that's got two really good rookies, then they'll have two cards and we'll use the wild cards for those. And so that makes sense because it's, it's set up, it's structured, it's tiered and it, and it works. And I get that, but you know, companies that just kind of just sit back and, and wait and see if they're even going to get redeemed product from players that say they've sent out autographs to sign and they never send back sometimes ever like in your situation where they never got the stuff back. So they never had the product, you know, stuff like that. I, I don't, I don't understand. And the fact that these things expire at all, at all, <laughs> I don't get, well, it's not I mean, like they don't want to keep a drawer full of these cards for 30 years. Maybe not, but some of these th- things expire and they get used in other product. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that's but true. yet there's redemptions out there for these specific cards. Yet they're going to give them to other collectors because these redemption cards never got unearthed. But feel... yet there's still product out there. This isn't food we're talking about. No, it expires. We're talking about pieces of cardboard with pictures of guys on it. They don't expire. So how could that? That's a very very frustrating thing with redemptions is the fact that they expire. And if it's a card that already exists that you just have to get it from them because maybe something came in late, if they have it, send it. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Don't turn around and say, well, statute of limitations is up because it's hit the two year mark. So everything from this date to this date, we're wiping off and we're going to repack it out in you know, upper deck buybacks or we're right, going to pack right. it out is, is this product, or we're going to give it to quality or to uh, customer service and they're going to use it as replacement product. Mm-hmm. You know how mad I would be if I 
bought a product maybe six, nine months after an expiration, pulled that redemption card, and then mm-hmm. turned around on social media and saw somebody that just got sent a replacement card. That was my card. Right. You know how upset I would be as a collector? Now, that's a weird scenario, I think, that would probably, well, hopefully most likely never happen, but you never know. I mean, you, you never know. Something like that could happen. And, you know, where redemptions once upon a time were used as, like, filler for stuff that wasn't made yet and i get that and i think that's what they should be mm-hmm. stuff now shouldn't be like that especially if it's not an on-card auto right. if you're waiting to get the physical card sent back to you signed i get it but if you're if you've had a player sign you know 60 sheets of autograph stickers why are those redemption no, cards? No, I've never seen those as redemption cards. Oh, I've seen stickers come sticker Seriously. Cards come as redemptions. Yes, that's, I have. That's terrible. You know, um, just a couple things I wanted to say about Panini. Um, not that I'm a Panini hater by any means, but the opportunity presents itself, um, you know, to, to, to speak a little bit of truth. I feel like with, with my redemption, I know that they were mad about not getting the hockey license at the end of the 13, 14 season. And that's fine. I mean, that sucks because they wanted to do it, but I feel like at that point they needed to say, okay, we need an exit strategy. We have, you know, 400 open redemptions. Let's just settle these accounts and move on. You know what I mean? And, um, it was like, I used to work for a toy company and we had, uh, God, what was it like a collector's club? We had like this collector's club. We bought this. We were a toy company. We bought this other toy company. This other toy company had a collector's club where they were sending people a physical newsletter. And it was costing a lot of money to do that, to be a part of this collector's club. It was costing a lot of money to run the club. So we had to come up with an exit strategy for it. And we said, well, look, people have spent money to get their newsletters, but we don't want to print these newsletters anymore because they're costing us money And then when they get them, they're like, hey, all this information is outdated. Why? Because they're finding out about it on the Internet. So then when we print this newsletter and send it to them with insider information, it's already old news. So we had to find uh, we needed an exit strategy. How do we placate all of these collectors that we owe newsletters to? We ended up just giving them product and they were happier to get product than a newsletter that had old information. So it it was win-win. So like Panini at that point, they could have been like, Hey Sal, we never we never did get Akimalu to sign this card. So you know what? We're gonna send you a couple boxes of certified, or we're gonna send you a couple boxes of Prism Hockey. And I would have been like, okay, it's not the same thing, but sure. I take a box of Prism over an Akimalu autograph any day. I'm sorry. Right. I would, no offense you know, to Akimalu, but no. But that's no. That's the thing though. Is like if you're gonna placate people, you have to. Yeah, you have to like overdo it. And like when we were getting these collectors, it was the Johnny Lightning Collector Club. They were these die cast cars. And like, I don't know, they might have spent like, I don't know, 20 or $30 to be a member and they'd get a special car and then to get a newsletter. And we had no problem sending them the special car. But like the production cost of this newsletter was just too much. And sure. so we were just like, we looked at like what product we had the most stock of. And we would just be like, yeah, Tim, we know we owe you three newsletters, but how about we just send you the this case of 12 diecast cars instead? And they're all like, yup, you know, like, thank you. You know what I sure. mean? Like that, you know, just 
and to us, we were just getting rid of stuff that we had too much of in the warehouse. And um, well, that makes sense. Win-win. It was win-win. So, like, if Panini can't sell hockey cards anymore, and they have all this unshipped product, you know, late season product that they're not going to do anything with, they could have they could have sent it to the people who they owed redemptions to. The other Panini story I want to tell, because I'll never never not tell this story. It was their whole 10-11, 2010, 11 score hockey fiasco where every box was supposed to have a redemption card for a uh, short yes. super short printed rookie card right so the last it was going to be originally it was going to be the last 10 rookie cards were going to be super short printed it ended up ended up being the last nine um rookie cards were super short prints and so i thought okay I'll buy five boxes. I'll get five redemption cards. Cool, right? Open all these cards, no redemptions. So then I contact Panini, and then they're like, oh, well, we decided, they they, they kept calling it live rookie cards. We decided to put the live rookie card in the packs instead of redemption cards to deliver you more value. Now, first of all, I just thought that the fact that they called it live, like they were sending like live animals through the mail or something like 1-800-LIVE-LOB, you know, deliver a live lobster to your friend who likes to kill what he eats, literally. So first of all, the fact that they said live rookie cards was silly. Um, Secondly, it wasn't as advertised because I was guaranteed one redemption card to get a super short printed rookie card in every box. So by my count, I should have had five of the super short prints, five out of, at the time, what was going to be 10. Um, but they went back on that, and that really pissed me off. And after that, I pretty much stopped buying score hockey the next couple of years. Like, did I put together the set the next year? Yeah, but that's probably because somebody probably just gave me a mess of cards, like you or Justin probably just said, here's a bunch of score cards. And I said, oh, okay, I'm 60% towards a base set. Cool, right? But... Um, other than maybe buying a few packs of Prism because I really like Prism hockey, I I just I couldn't really buy into their cards after that because I just thought I just thought that was really shoddy. Like they should have said, you know what, we owe you five rookie cards. We're sorry. Instead of like, well, didn't you see them? They were in the boxes that you bought. No, well, they're like one in every other box, and it's like, yeah. oh, and, yeah, and that's that's exactly the that's like the flip side. To right. the whole thing where redemptions would have been better because you open five boxes, each box has one redemption. You're right. guaranteed five of those redemption cards. Instead, they pack them out and you know they're super short printed, which means the odds of you pulling them are one out of, I don't know what the count was, but I'm sure it was multi boxes, right? I got so, one in five boxes so out of five boxes you got one of the super short printed so really the comparison is you would have had five because they decided to be generous now you only got one right and i just wasn't impressed yeah and and i get where people would be upset at that and the way that they rectified the situation or i guess fixed in their mind that was wrong i mean look it's no secret. Panini's had a long history of doing stuff like this and mm-hmm. ticking off collectors. And, you know, you try not to be a Panini hater. Or you try not to, like, target one specific company and be like, 
oh, I can't stand them. I can't stand their product. I can't stand this. You might, but it's hard when over and over and over again, it's like epic fail. Yeah. Epic fail. Epic fail. It's like, you know, for as many things as they get right, Prism, for one. I mean, that's like probably the hottest product that's out there in any sport. There's something they got right. But at the same time, epic fail. You know, they'll they'll turn around and do something like, oh, I don't know, this week's uh, or today's instant hockey prism. <sighs> did you buy them? No. Did you try? No. However, I did try. You did? Yes. What happened? I tried with no intention of buying. I just wanted to see if I could. Could you? And when I jumped on there... I don't remember what time it was. It was sometime this morning. Um, I couldn't get on. And then all of a sudden, poof, it worked. I got on there. It let me add a bunch of stuff to my cart. Let me go to my um, my shopping cart. Let me go through the checkout process. And I'm like, wow, this is actually working. I'm not going to buy them, but it's actually working. How much were the packs? I'm curious now. $20. For what, two cards? No, $25. Sorry. Four. Two cards. And it's what? A rookie and a, a parallel the, or autograph. Yeah, and it's the same two people. Right. It's, it's Kako and and uh, Kratsov, who essentially has not amounted to anything at this point. And the um, autograph's not guaranteed. It's just, it could have. No, it could have, yes. Yeah, that's... And, they're, they look nice. In fact, the pictures that they have of them in their international uniforms, mm-hmm. they're pretty cool looking. Mm-hmm. I like them. But yeah, I wasn't about to jump on and buy packs. Um, and when I checked again this afternoon at about 3 o'clock or so, you click on it and it says no product found. So mm-hmm. it doesn't. there's nothing on the site anymore. So it's it's been uh, uh, pilfered or... I don't know what the right word is. It's, yeah. it's, it's been sold out, right. essentially. So it's it's done and over with. And I, I get it. That's that's what we're going to. We're going to all this instant gratification, you know, hot off the press or whatever they're calling it. Um, you know, you know, Tops did the, the stock X thing or the, mm-hmm. the Bowman X thing where they, mm-hmm. you know, released this stuff where you could bid on how much you wanted to pay for stuff. Panini just did it again. I mean, that's the world we live in now. Because there's so many people out there that aren't collectors. They're just investors. Mm -hmm. And they've jumped into this whole thing. And that's kind of the world we live in at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to wrap that with redemption card things, you know, imagine you're a breaker or an investor and you're buying product that might be a couple years old. But all of a sudden, hey, there's this hot rookie. Mm Mm-hmm from three years ago that nobody even heard of and this is what happens with in baseball like with bowman chrome and and platinum and and regular bowman product with prospects is you'll stock all these guys away they don't make their major league debuts until sometimes two three years down the road these guys show up just like in hockey guys get drafted well they don't make cards anymore of draft picks Unless you're unlicensed or it's some special thing, they wait until the guy plays. Right. It could be two, three, four, five, even longer years. If it's a goalie, you may never see the guy. 
come up and play. So you stock all this stuff away and you say, ah, you know, here's all these rookies. And then three, four years down the road, all of a sudden, you know, Joe Schmo is the next great thing. And you're like, oh, where's his rookie card? Oh, it's from, you know, 2011. You go back and look through your 2011 stuff. You go and immediately buy all the 2011 unopened product you can find. And lo and behold, it's all redemption for this Ah. guy because he's never signed. What do you do then? Now you're an investor, right? You're not a collector. Collectors are going to be pissed off about it. Collectors are going to be mad, but they're going to get over it because they know that's how the system works. But an investor who knows nothing about the hobby, an investor that comes in to dump a bunch of money in, flip it quick, and make a buck or two, they don't understand what that is. They're going to see this, find out that they can't get the card, find out that they can't even sell it because you can't get the card. They're going to be highly upset. Yeah. And that's where it's going to, that would be one thing that would, I think could break the investment side of things mm-hmm. a little bit. And that's a whole nother topic that we could go into about all these investors that are out there and so-called investors and, and all this kind of stuff. It just uh, grinds my gears a little bit, but that's neither here nor there. We were talking about redemptions. I'm trying to stay focused. What, what if there weren't, what if there couldn't be redemptions? Do you think the cost of product would go up? I don't think it would go up necessarily. I just think that you'd have probably more, you'd have a little less variety. So if I had to make, if I had to make hockey cards, I'll stick with what I know. So I know hockey really well. If I was going to make hockey cards and every card that I put in a pack had to be a, a card. It couldn't be a redemption card. Then I guess with uh, I, there'd probably be more sticker autos because you can have the players sign stickers anytime and apply them to any card. Uh, there, I would like to say there'd be more uh, autographs of retired guys because you know they'll they'll sign and uh, maybe they don't charge an arm and a leg and. You know, someone like you or me might be like, oh, yeah, this guy, he played for the Kings back in the 80s or something, you know, and like, cool, whatever, right? Like, most people probably don't care. They want the more current players, you know, like my girlfriend was telling me, you know, the kids, if they get the packs of cards, they usually just want the current players because I remember like she was um, an after school teacher. And she's like, oh, can I bring the kids some unopened cards? I'm like, sure. And then I'm like here's some 90 tops. And she's like, oh, no, they would want cards of current players. I'm like, yeah, those are going to be a couple bucks a pack. You know what I mean? You're not going to get like, you know, like the junk wax stuff is not going to, you know, really resonate with the kids. But I think with most collectors, like if you pull a, um, let's say like you, but you buy a pack of cards and let's say you get like an autograph to say like Dan Quinn on the Penguins, you'd probably be like, all right, this is cool, right? Like it beats... What did they say? A, a poke with a sharp stick, right? You know, a like, stick in the eye. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, I think if I was going to make a redemption-free product, I'd have to focus more on retired players, sticker autographs, and really only like jersey cards of like current players and not really rookie players, unless you're doing like a late season set, like the cup that you know the. The 1920 cup will come out like a little bit after the 2021 season starts. So is it really a 1920 product? I mean, the rapper says it is, but you know, 
I, I don't think any of these things really matter anymore. What, the year on a, on a product? Yeah, I mean, I have like an anti Miami rookie card that's considered like an XRC because it actually came out after his, like it was in the previous, it was in the uh, 0809, an 0809 set, but he already had rookie cards in the 2009-2010 sets. And it was just like, okay, so this card is technically an 0809 card, but it came out after some of his rookie cards in 2009-10 sets. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The whole thing's just kind of stupid, and that's that's a different conversation for a different time. But that would be my way of avoiding redemption cards, would be just, um, you know, just... Uh, Focusing on, on, on older players or past players and not like saying, oh my god, I have to have this rookie card of this guy in this set right away. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we could we could keep beating that that one into the ground, positives and negatives, but you know, I think overall, I mean, I understand why they make them. I get it. Um, I wish they I wish all the companies would come up with a way that they could make redemption cards and the idea of redemption cards, some type of similar process across the board. And I wish there were some regulations on what can and can't be considered and used as a redemption card. I think that would clear up a lot of things and that would kind of streamline the process a lot better overall. You know, I'm not saying everybody should be like upper deck, but in this case, I don't know. Everybody should be like up for tech. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's <clears throat> that's pretty good praise. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much all my thoughts on this uh, for uh, topic. Anything else you want to say before we uh, get going? Um, no, I think that's about it. I think yeah. we've uh, we covered what we wanted to discuss today. I mean, there's okay. some other things going on out there in the world, but we'll save that for another time. Yeah, and by the way, we are now on uh, Google Play uh, Music, uh, as well as uh, Apple Music and Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere where you could find podcasts now. So, you know, please like and subscribe, uh, add us to your um, subscription list for podcasts, and uh, we try to do one every week. Uh, and also, if you like this podcast, consider buying a shirt over at shop.puckjunk.com. And uh, until next time, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk. <laughs>